Father God, we just come to tell you thank you, God. Tell you thank you in one accord that you didn't be mindful of us. Thank you that your sweet Holy Spirit would fall in a place among sinners. Thank you, God, that you look across all of our dirt, all of our filth, and all of our shame, and all of our mistakes. And you'd move in the midst and say, I love you this much. God, thank you so much for hearing and answering prayers. God, I continue to pray. May your spirit move upon your people. God, I pray you'd meet everybody in the place where they are on this night. God, I pray continually, would you break down barriers and remove some walls, God? Would you break chains? Father, move some mountains for somebody. Restore things that are broken, God. Mend that that needs mend and heal that that's sick, God. Would you move in this place tonight, God? We thank you so much for what you've already done, and I thank you in advance for what I know you're going to do. I pray you'd anoint my brother, God. Would you speak through him in a mighty way? In the precious holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Boy, has it been good to be in the Lord's house tonight or what? Mercy. Hallelujah. I don't even know hardly what to say other than thank you, Lord. I love to watch the Lord work among his people. It's just good. You know, I didn't know any of you guys till Sunday night. And I know you didn't know me. But we're all the same, just sinners, saved by the marvelous, marvelous grace of God. Uh, I just want to say a couple things. One, just pastor, appreciate so much you and uh, Brandon and the staff and this church family here at Faith Baptist just being so kind. I mean, I just feel like, even though I've just been here since Sunday night, tonight's Wednesday night, I just feel like I'm almost part of you. Just appreciate your kindness and your hospitality, and uh, I'm just thankful. I, I never had it like in my daytimer. I'm old school. I have a daytimer. I don't use a computer much. I never planned to preach meetings. I was just happy to be a pastor at 19, happy anybody would sit and listen to me for any length of time. But God's just been so good to me over the last 40 years to let me travel. And meet people, different countries, in this country, small towns, big towns. Most of the churches I preach in are small. But I'm going to tell you what's the blessing thing. We're just meeting people with that common denominator of Christ. And it doesn't matter what country you're in. That same common denominator brings you together. And so I'm thankful for this church. And again, Pastor, thank you for the invitation to get to know you and hang out with you and Karen Peck and New River, I've heard of y'all, you know, but I've never met you. But uh, thank God for what you've done down through the years in uh, showing lost people the gospel and showing saved people to just keep trusting and keep believing in their Lord. Thank you. All right. I know what time it is. Verse 7. Ecclesiastes. Well, there's three of you. Verse 7, Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I've got four things. We only did one thing last night, so you're thinking, holy cow. <laughs> we've been talking about life, and we've been talking about perspective, and I've 
seen a lot of people come down to the altar, and I don't know why you came, and that's none of my business. That's between you and the Lord, and those of you that hovered around them and prayed with you, them thank you. Thank you for the body of Christ being hands and feet and voices, praying in their ears, touching their back, knowing you got them. Thank you for doing that. But we've been talking about life and having the right perspective. Life can be really difficult. We've talked about that. The right perspective gives us the right purpose in life. And that's kind of where, where we kind of ended up in the first six verses. We talked about life being uncertain. And we need to live it with investing intentionality. If you don't do that, it's not going to happen. If you don't plan to have somebody in your house, it won't happen. If you don't plan to save up money, you will for a vacation. But you might not save up four or $5,000 to give it away. But you should be. I think doing something for the eternal is as good as me going to Edisto with my family, right? But if you don't plan that, it'll never happen. So I just asked you last night to make sure that you're planning to invest your life. You only got one. And time's clicking. We talked about that. Tonight, I want to give you the second thing. Life's a gift. Enjoy it God's way. Again, verse 7. We'll read down to verse number 10. It says, truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing. It is for the eyes to behold the sun. That is nothing more than what you think it is, sitting on the deck enjoying the sun. Been nice today, hadn't it? It's been warm, sunshine. So he's just simply saying life can be really good. So he's saying enjoy it. Then he reminds us, verse 8, but if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, Yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Darkness is coming. That might be trials. It might be struggles. It might be death. But you need to just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Not a pessimistic look, but just a look of reality. Life's not always sunshine. Darkness is coming. Verse 9. Again, here it is. Life's a gift. Enjoy it. Rejoice, O young man. In thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. In other words, just really enjoy your life. Enjoy your time with your family. We enjoyed golf. Well, I don't know if we enjoyed golf. We enjoyed fellowship. The golf wasn't that great. Mine wasn't. But we enjoyed the day. He's saying, enjoy your life. But look at the latter part of verse 9. And this is where we'll spend a few minutes with this thought. Enjoy it God's way. But know thou that for all these things, God will bring thee into judgment. Just remember, make sure that you're living your life God's way. Life's a gift from God. You don't get to do relationships outside the parameters of God's word. We got a lot of young people here setting up close. I like it. And I'm encouraging all of you. I didn't. I did not live my life by the parameters of God's word. I just kind of navigated on my own. It's going to be hard if you do. It's going to be difficult. I need to understand the parameters of relationships inside the body of God's word. Money. The Bible tells me how to spend my money, how to save my money, how to give my money. 
I need to make sure if I'm going to enjoy life God's way, I can't just be saving up stuff for me. I've got to be saving up stuff to give away. Marriage. I'll say this while the young people are in the house. You don't date lost people. Why? Because you can't marry them. That kind of nullifies several, right? If you're going to navigate life, you've got to make sure that you navigate marriage and things like that God's way. How you use your time. I'm not saying you can't play ball. But you got to figure out how to get God on the soccer field. you got to figure out how to make God part of everything that you do. Time is not yours. It's his. It's a gift. Use it God's way. Family. Your perspective that your life is God's gift will give you the purpose to live it his way. So again, there's a reminder and a warning. Look at it in verse 10, and we'll move on quickly to the next section in chapter 12. Therefore, remove. Again, he's talking about enjoying life and doing it God's way. Here's what he's saying. Therefore, remove. That means take something before it happens. Look at the first thing. Therefore, remove sorrow from thine heart and put away evil from thy flesh for childhood and youth or vanity. Number one, remove sorrow from your heart. You ever hear the term baggage? We got, I got baggage in my life. I got it in mine. What he's telling them, oh young man, in this verse of scripture, is make sure that you navigate your life God's way or you will create heart baggage. You see, he's trying to protect the younger man. As he listens to this, Solomon had a lot of baggage because of all the bad decisions and all the bad choices. And you see that in the latter part of verse number 10. Put away evil or sin from your flesh. So the sin in your life creates the baggage in your heart. I'm not saying you'll ever live life free of baggage. But I'm telling you, if you will choose to navigate your life God's way, you will have less baggage in your life. So I'm encouraging you guys tonight, sitting right here, make this book important in your life. Don't just let it be something that your mom, my mom constantly rehearsed in my ears. Read the word Know the word, memorize the word, live the word. And I would just let it go right over my head because it was nowhere near seemingly as exciting as anything else I was doing in life. Be it sports, be it cars, be it hunting. It just didn't hold the same value. Tonight Solomon is telling them not to live a life of drudgery. He's telling them enjoy your life, but make sure that you enjoy your life by the parameters of God's path for your life so that you don't live a life full of baggage. Look in chapter 12 in verses 1 through 8, and I'm just going to simply call this life is short. We talked about that. Turn to God as soon as you can. I'll read just the first verse. We'll save some time and not read 2 through 8. 2 through 8 basically kind of takes us through what it's like to get old. It talks about losing your teeth. 
They didn't have dentures, grinders in these verses or teeth. I actually saw George Washington's wooden teeth. I thought that was a joke, but he did have a set of wood teeth. Somebody carved them things. I don't know how you'd eat with them. So two through eight just reminds us that you're not always going to have the vitality of youth. You're not always going to be able to see and hear and get around and do all the things. I'm not going to be able to preach forever. I've asked the Lord to let me preach till I'm 90. I have no clue if he's going to allow that to happen. So what's he telling me in verse 1? Listen to. He says, remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. There's coming a day where you're going to lay in the bed and say, I don't even feel like getting up. He said, before that happens, I want you to do some stuff. He says, remember. You know what remember means? Remember means something that's got so much value in your life you can't forget. I remember when both of my girls were born. I was there. My wife did it, but I was there. I remember Brittany's red hair. I remember telling Wanda, baby, Brittany's got red hair. She says, no, she don't. I said, yes, she does. I remember my little charity when she was born. I can tell you their times. I can tell you their weights. You know why I remember that? Because, man, they are valued to me. You know what he's telling his young man? Don't misplace the value of God in your life. I was raised in a Christian home. I was carried to church from day one. But I did not live a life that valued God. How do you value God? It's not church days. It's not youth activities when you're sitting in a room where you're kind of pushing the envelope. It's when you scratch time out in your life, on your routine, in your normalcy, and you go to God. When they were singing that song about praying, it's when praying becomes not just some spare tire that we throw out when there's a need in our life. No, it's constant breathing. It's inhaling and exhaling because you can't live without Him. Remember God. We talked about this a little bit back in the sound booth. Why do you think? And we talked about it at, at the thing we did today. The Jewish culture was built on memorials. I mean, they'd cross a river and build a bunch of rocks. They'd go say something, make a little covenant, and they'd etch out something on a tree. Why? So they remember it. Make sure that God is in the crosshairs of everything you do in your life. That's why he's saying, remember God. It's the idea of a motivation of life, moved by in life. Before we go to the next one, turn to God. Life is short. As soon as you can, I just want to encourage parents again. The place your kids are going to learn that God is important is not here. I did not learn to pray because some preacher taught me how to pray. I learned to pray because my mama would wake me up in the middle of the night praying for my brother who was in Vietnam and he was lost. 
I learned God's word was real because like I shared with you when my mom broke her hip, I knew every morning that I got up to look down that hallway, she'd be doing the same stuff she did when I was a kid, and I thought she was crazy. She'd read her Bible line by line, and she'd pray for people. You know why? Because she remembered that she couldn't do life without God. And I'm telling you all, please remember God when you're young. When preachers fail you, life fails you, stuff fails you, this will never fail you. And this book, this book right here is nothing more than Jesus Christ. You touch this book anywhere you touch Christ somewhere. So remember now thy creator in the days of our youth. So back on mamas and daddies, you figure that out. You figure out, and I didn't do it perfectly, but you figure out how you can spend more time at home with your kids. You live in less, drive less, wear less, do whatever less you need to do to make sure that God is the object of your home. You know, back in the day, my mom used to talk about this. We ate a lot of meals at the house, around the table. That don't happen much anymore. About every night, I could tell you what we had. Hot dogs was every Wednesday night. Every stinking Wednesday night was hot dogs. I loved it. Thursday night, I detested Thursday night because that was cabbage and turnips. and ah. I didn't even like the smell of turnips. I could smell them when I drive up the, the driveway. Ugh. That's when I'd have cheese toast or grilled cheese. People don't eat around the house anymore. You know why? Because we're going and again, I'm not saying drag your kids out of volleyball, soccer, basketball, football, whatever they're playing. I'm just telling you, if you don't figure out how to make sure that they understand in your house, God is big. God is primary. He ain't a t-shirt. He ain't what we do on Sunday. He's what we do to live. We can't make it without him. We can't do home without him. We can't do anything without him. So you got to make sure that you're putting forth the effort to make sure they understand that is a fact in your home. Life is short. Turn to God as soon as you can. Now, here's the one I could really preach a, a long time on. All, all five of these could probably be a message. Nine to 12. Life's a school. Learn from him. Listen what Solomon says. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yea, he gave good heed and sought out and set in order many proverbs, maybe referring to the very book of Proverbs. The preacher sought to find out acceptable words, and that which was written was upright, even words of truth. Nine and ten is nothing more than the essential essence of God's word being what I need to be learning from. I got to learn life. If life's a school, I got to learn it from him. We've seen a lot of people praying tonight. I don't know what's going on, but I know he does. And I don't want you guys are trying to navigate through. I do not have all the answers. I never have. I never will. I've got mess in my life. I've still got nothing but a big question mark on my end of it. But on the other end of it, I believe and trust him. So what I'm asking you tonight is where are you going to learn life from? We talked about that 
In Ecclesiastes 6, last couple of verses, first few verses of chapter 7, remember? How, how, how do you figure life out and choose the best possible way to live it? You got to learn from God. Notice what he says in verse number 11. Still talking about this life's a school. The words of the wise are as goads and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies which are given from one shepherd. You know, again, this is kind of a shepherd thing. One of them would be like a stick that you're kind of priding people, or not people, but animals, to make sure they go a certain way. If they get out, you know, you got you only use a pride on people. That'd be bad. <laughs> so they're priding the animal. The other thing has the idea of someone that would fasten something that would be fixed. So he's trying to illustrate just a couple of things that the word of God will be to you. It will be like a goat. It will pride you that this is wrong. This is right. This, this is the right direction. This is the right thinking. And then those things will become so confident in your heart and your spirit that they will become absolute concrete truths in your life. Can you guys pull up Psalm 119? Not the whole thing, 176 verses, 9 through 11. Psalm 119 9 through 11. While they're pulling that one up, oh, you guys are quick. <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to the question. Wherewithal, y'all got it back there. Shall a young man cleanse his way? There's the question. How's a young guy going to live a clean path? The word way there means his path in front of him. How's he going to do that? Look at it. By taking heed thereto according to thy Word. The Word of God is the pride. Nope, that's not the exit. I need scriptural truth in my head and in my heart. So when I'm trying to figure out, navigate something in my life, I've got His Word saying, mm -mm. Go to the next verse, go to 10. Now look at this. You're talking about in one verse having the, the issue that all of us have. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Isn't that a paradox? On one side of this equation, with my whole heart have I sought thee. That's what I need to be doing in my daily routine. That's why God's word's got to be part of my life. Y'all think I just study to preach? No, I study to live. God's word is my life. So that's what he's saying. And that's the fear. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Next verse, 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Remember Remember what I'm trying to do in my heart? I don't want baggage in here. I don't want to tote around a bunch of stuff in my life. So I want to make sure that I'm going to hide his word in my heart so I won't sin against God. Can y'all pull up Psalm 19? I like this. This is good. <laughs> Psalm 19, about verse 7. We're just talking about life's a school. Where are you and where am I going to learn life? Start in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect. Seven, eight, and nine is basically an advertisement for God's word. You've got a um, definition of what the word of God is, the law of the Lord. And then it tells you what it is. It's perfect. No mistakes. Better than English, better than science. They ain't changing the rules. It's fixed. It's great. What's it do? 
He converts the soul. And that's more than just bring salvation to the soul, but it keeps refreshing. That's the idea of the word convert. It means to refresh the soul. You want to get refreshed day by day in life? The world drags it out of you. The Bible fills it up. We'll keep going. I can't do that with all of them. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We're the simple. There's the wisdom. I need wisdom from God. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure and light in the eyes. Verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Now look at verse 10 and listen to it. More to be desired are they than gold. Fine gold. Everybody knows how much we value gold, right? Y'all get them same advertisements. Right? It's about to go down. You better be buying gold. I don't own an ounce, by the way. I'm just sharing it with you. Right? What's he saying? Who's saying this? David, right? We're in Psalm. Who's saying it? Reckon he's got any gold? Sure he does. He's thinking king. He's got stacks and stacks of gold. What's he saying? I've got gold, but I'd rather lose gold. And have his word more valuable. Look at the next phase. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Now, I grew up in the south. And I grew up in the country. And I have got them right out of the bees. And I've ate the comb. You ever done that? It's good. You had, you, you're missing something, brother. I'm telling you. Because it's good. What's he saying? It, it being sweeter. It's satisfying. I remember when I used to look at those verses when I was a kid, some preacher would preach about it, and he'd talk about, you know, the, the word of God being better for us than gold or sweeter than honeycomb. And I knew what the honey tasted like. He's just simply saying, there's things in here that will satisfy your life. Like honey will satisfy your palate with taste. There's stuff in here that will satisfy your life. For those of you that were gathered around the altar a little while ago, I want to make sure that I'm inviting you into a relationship with God through his word. Because when you don't have anybody to pray with you or a church to fellowship with you, you've got a God that will walk every step with you and refresh you from the inside out. Do you remember what Jesus told the woman at the well? I'm going to put a well inside of you that will spring up your whole life. I don't have to go to church to get a drink of Christ. I got him every day. That's why there are more to be desired. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned. Pride. It'll remind me and in keeping of them, there is great reward. Look at the next one. Next verse. Who can understand his errors? How do I know when I've, made, when I've blown it? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. The word of God will point out our errors and cleanse us from secret thoughts. Look at the 13th verse. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. You know what presumptuous sin is? I hope my youngest daughter is not watching tonight. But if you, if you drew a line for her to cross, you just go... What's she going to do now? I mean, I could discipline her, and she just, you're going to do it again? That's a presumptuous sin. But what's he saying? 
trying to, God's trying to keep baggage out of your life. Keep back. The word of God will be like a preventative medicine in your life. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. Look at the 14th verse. In game. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Now, I want you to see this verse for just a minute. This starts on the inside and comes out. Life is a school. Learn life from him. Look at the last thing in, back in Ecclesiastes. I'm sorry for that side street there. But y'all guys are good. I like that. Look at verse 12. This is personal. And further by these, my son. Now Solomon is talking to his boy. And he says, be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weirdness of the flesh. It kind of sounds odd. Like, don't study much. It'll drive you crazy. What's he saying? Remember, he's talking about life. And he's talking about learning life from God's word. Don't live your life by Google. Wikipedia. I don't, whatever that stuff is that's out there. Make sure that you're getting what you believe from this. Solomon was telling his son, don't investigate the source of life from another source. What, what's one of the signs? And I know there's a lot of stuff going on. Everybody you know, thinks Jesus is coming. I don't, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm just saying every time something happens, we go on Jesus watch. The pandemic. Now we got stuff over in Ukraine. Y'all, Jesus, we should have been on Jesus watch before the pandemic. Last day started when Jesus came the first time. So we're in the last days. You want me to give you one of the signs for sure that can got us a little bit of an idea that it might be close? False prophets. First Peter, Second Peter, Jude, all those books illustrate an element of what it's like before Christ returns. There's so much error out there. Right? He's reminding his son and warning his son, make sure that when you get information for life, you get it from one source, and that's from God's word. The last thing, and I'm done, life matters, live it for God. In verse 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He reminds us again in verse 14, lastly, last verse of our accountability, for God shall bring every work into judgment and every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil, life matters, live it for God. Those two things, fear God, keep his commandments. And that's really simple, right? And it's simple but yet profound. Fear God is a word that's used a lot throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. And literally has the idea of be conscious of. It's in all of, but it's be conscious of. In other words, you see a stop sign, you stop. It has impact on your life. 
That's what Solomon's telling me to live my life by. To be conscious of God. Everything that I do gets filtered through that perspective. Whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. In the Old Testament, I'm reading through the Old Testament right now. He even told them, your cows in your field. I give your cows the ability to birth a new one. And the first ones are mine. I need to live a God-conscious life. And in that perspective creates my purpose. I just want to serve him. I want to obey him. I want to live for him. I want to glorify him. I want to honor him. When Karen and New River sang through the Lord's Prayer, I love the Lord's Prayer. I'm done, I promise. Have you ever noticed in the Lord's Prayer, there just ain't much in there about us? And the only thing in there about asking for something is daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. There's a good bit in there about sin, forgiving trespassers and being forgiven, leading us not and delivering us. But there's a whole lot in there about me living my life under the auspices of this perspective. God, I want your name glorified. Not interested in my name, your name. Remember playing? Remember playing? I ain't got one, God. I want your will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. You think God asked anybody when he created? No, he didn't. You do whatever you want to with my life. Perspective. And the last one, your kingdom come. Not mine, your kingdom come. Heads are about, eyes are closed. I just want to say a couple things. One, if you're here tonight, you don't know Jesus. Man, I don't see how you didn't move earlier. But I'm telling you, there is a Savior. There is forgiveness at the foot of the cross. Man, that lady talked about the cross today, and it was just, it was just good to remember what my sin cost my Savior. What a great God we have. So if there's anybody in the room tonight that does not know Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, there is forgiveness at the foot of the cross. The God of the Bible, Solomon's God, wants to forgive your sin and give you life. But I hope this, these days together, and I appreciate your attention and your fellowship that we've had, but my prayer is that God has caused you to ponder some stuff in your life about your perspective. I hope there's some homes changed after tonight. You know, real repentance is not a trip to the altar necessarily. It's when life change takes place. You go home and fix what's going on at the house. Change is made. I'm praying that some perspectives about life and some purposes about your life will be forever changed because you did business with God. Thank you so much for allowing me to be here.
and sharing his word. Pastor, you come. I'm going to ask if you would just keep your heads bowed just for a minute. Before I offer salvation to the lost, I have a question for the redeemed. Heads about eyes are closed. I, the preacher did everything but ask it. I was hoping he would, but he didn't, so I will. Do you have a sin in your life right now and you know what it is? Do you have anything in your life right now that is not God-honoring and you know what it is? Any issue in your life that you're dancing around and you know what it is? Nobody around you may know it. Closest friends may not know it. We're very good disguisers. We're very good at keeping things inside so that nobody else knows that you ain't fooling God. And he just preached for four nights on living a God-honoring life, and you cannot do that with deliberate sin in your life. You cannot have a revival if you stay in the sin that you're in. If you came here four nights ago, you've been here for four nights, you've brought sin for four nights, and you live in that sin after tonight, you've not done revival, you've just done church. I want to see revival. Every one of us has got things in our lives that we're ashamed of. Every one of us has got mistakes in our lives. But I'm asking you, do you have a deliberate sin that you continue to repeat in your life, and you know it, and you know that God knows it? You ain't got to come down here to this altar. He just said it. It's not about a trip to the altar. It's about changing your life. You can come to this altar seven days a week and crawl up and down both, both sets of steps and not go home and change in the heart. You've not changed anything. I just want to know, God sent us a message for four nights on perspective. And what's our perspective? Are we honoring God with the life that we live? I want to ask you, if you've never been saved, are you willing to do that tonight? The worst thing, the worst thing you can do is leave this life without the blood of Jesus Christ on your life. Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Save my soul. Not a little prayer it not a little poem you don't get to repeat it you don't get to do lip service and walk out of that door unchanged and call yourself a child of God if old things have not passed away and all things become new then there's never been a time when Christ changed your life and the Holy Spirit moved in because the Holy Spirit will not move into a dirty temple and leave it that way nor will he live in a temple and allow you to keep dirty things in it if you've never been saved, don't leave here tonight without giving your heart and life to Jesus Christ, confessing your sins and asking him to save your soul. And if you're a child of God and you know you have something in your life that's displeasing to God, get it right before you leave here tonight. Walk out of this door, not just redeemed, but changed. Say, God, I'm going to live my life for you. From now on, if you'll help me, 
and say it in Jesus' name. Amen.